Tettleton, and I am the 2023 Global President of the Women's Energy Network, also known as WEN. WEN is focused on developing a community of energy professionals across the world who are connected locally and networked globally. This podcast is yet another way for WEN to feature our talented members in the energy community. I hope you can learn something new and enjoy your time with us today. Welcome to the WEN Podcast. I am Cara Byrne, and today we are talking about water. You may wonder why water on an energy podcast. Well, water is not only the key to life, it is the key to many of the processes that make energy work. Whether water is used in utilities, for cooling purposes, to help fractionation work, or as a means for getting LNG from one place to another, water is everywhere in energy. However, energy is just one of the many stakeholders that utilize water. As water becomes a more limited resource in the world, the energy industry must collaborate with many others to ensure equitable distribution, sustainable operations, and ultimately safeguard this important natural resource. Sometimes the goals we have are not exactly in line with the goals of others who wish to use the water, so the energy industry must be open to listening for understanding and solutioning for win-win scenarios. That's why I'm excited that we'll be exploring this topic over a series of when podcasts episodes instead of trying to cover the entire landscape or waterscape, I do like my puns, on this topic in one giant wave. Enter in Sarah Richards, another amazing person who Beth introduced us to. Beth has known Sarah forever before either of them even knew what they were going to be when they grew up. Sarah brings over 16 years of experience in Texas natural resource management to New Braunfels Utilities, the municipal water, wastewater, and electric utility for the city of New Braunfels. Sarah has dedicated her career to addressing the dynamic challenges facing people and the environment in Texas. Sarah currently oversees innovative water and energy resource programs, including electric transportation, distributed energy resources, solar energy, integrated water resource management, water and energy conservation, and demand management. So pretty much a perfect fit to kick off the first episode of our water series. Let's welcome Sarah to the WEN podcast. Well, thank you. And and thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. I'm super excited on this. Thank you for joining. Sarah, we'd like to start each episode understanding our guest's origin story. So what got you interested in what you do and what's kept you there? Oh, this is such a great question. It's it's funny. Um, I guess water is a little bit of a second career, but it makes such sense to me now because just even a part of my childhood, my experiences in and around water are are my very favorite. From my grandmother and grandfather's house on the coast in Wales, my grandfather was a ship captain, to even actually, even though I grew up in Houston, one of our go-to summer vacations was to New Braunfels to get on the Guadalupe River and visit Schlitterbahn. Lo and behold, here I am at New Braunfels Utilities. But career-wise, I kind of, can I say I didn't dive right in. I kind of stumbled into water work. I came at it from a social scientist and educator background and got this great opportunity to build out education programs that would help youth and adults understand and value water. And from there, I I think I fell in love with with helping people understand and appreciate their natural resources, just like I did. I became the executive director of a Texas-based nonprofit, the Colorado River Alliance, went on to be the water program 
program officer at the Cynthia and George Mitchell Foundation, where I got to produce an incredible document, Advancing One Water in Texas, which has proven to be an influential guide that's supporting a transition to a more sustainable management of Texas's precious waters. And it was through my great friend, Beth, who you know very well, that I got connected with Wen, and I'm so excited to be here. Energy is new for me. I'm now in a role working not just on water, but on energy. And I have to say, I'm super pleased to meet the WEN group and to have joined the organization. There's nothing like this on the water side. Um, so you energy gals, you've got it going on and I'm happy to be a part of the group now. We're happy to charge up the lead. Yeah, I like uh, it. Ooh, <laughs> Everyone's water org. So punny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that you said was really interesting that you educated people on water and yes. what the importance of water is and what's there. So can you give us the cliff notes version? Why is water important and what are the challenges facing it today? Oh, well, don't let me go on about this too long, but I think, you know, you all know that water is absolutely central to our lives. We need it just not, not just for the, for drinking water, for, for bathing, but every single thing we do, every item of clothing, every, everything we own all requires water. Our life existence depends on an abundance of water for us to, to go about our daily lives. And that may seem simple and straightforward. And perhaps back in the day when our globe had way fewer people on it than we do now, that it was simple. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we are growing rapidly as a population and have been, yet the amount of water on our planet is a constant amount. We will never have more water than we have today. It's the same amount of water that the dinosaurs had, and it's all just being recycled. We used to joke with the kids that, you know, you're drinking dinosaur pee, but because all of this water is just continually being recycled. So when you've got one thing that stays constant, the water, the amount of water, and the number of people continuing to expand, you realize at some point down the road, you've got a problem. Houston, you've got a problem. The Texan, I have to throw in some, some Houston there. And this is really one of the big challenges that we face with water right now, that the way we live our lives, particularly, you know, in Western cultures, isn't necessarily sustainable. And to top that off, the government structures and the laws that govern what we do, how we use water, what we're required to do with water are really built to deal with 20th, 19th and 20th century problems, not 21st century problems. And that's truly what we're up against today. I think it's interesting because a lot of of the connection that you have to sustainability and the challenges that you face yep. are very similar to what we're seeing in energy. The infrastructure is, is yes. aging. Yep. The the need, um, the daily usage of it is constant and so prevalent that people don't even think about it. Yep. So I, I like that you already have connected in the first question of the, the true interview, why water is so important, but not only why is it important, how does it relate to the energy industry? Yeah, and I'll add in people expect seamless power and energy. Yep just like they expect seamless water for yeah. their use. So Sarah, as you mentioned, water is the nexus of several different stakeholders. Can you outline a bit of the stakeholder map for us and the goals of each of those when it comes to water? Yes, happy to. There are so many stakeholders involved in providing us the water that we need for the abundance of expectations we have for it. I, I don't think we often realize what all we expect out of water. We 
We want to have clean drinking water. We want, you know, when we flush the toilet, that wastewater to just disappear magically. We want to be able to recreate in water, whether people like to go fishing or here in New Braunfels, tube down the Comal River. We expect that for our quality of life. We also expect there to be clean and ample water for uh, an abundant environment, for land that's beautiful and our yards to be gorgeous and filled with flowers. Uh, We expect all of this. And the funny thing is that there are so many different agencies and organizations involved with delivering all those varied needs that truly that's where the challenge is because they all act in almost complete silos of each other. I work at a a water and electric utility. We are responsible for providing drinking water and managing wastewater for our customers. Meanwhile, the city of New Braunfels, they have a number of departments that have an effect on and are responsible for water. They take care of water quality in the local creeks and lakes that support uh, endangered species. These also happen to be the places that community members want to go and recreate in and enjoy. And this community is heavy on the tourism front when it comes to our abundant water resources. So not only is it important for locals to recreate in these waters, it's a key part of the local economy here. The city is also responsible for making sure that uh, storm water running down the street after a rainstorm or the floods that we get when we're not in the middle of a drought and ensuring that floodwaters are moved off the streets quickly and easily. There's also other agencies that manage that surface water, the lakes and the rivers that we pull water from. Those are different from the agencies that manage the groundwater that we pull water from and that our daily activities that we do on the land have an effect on the quality of water underneath us in those aquifers. So all of these, there's all these different agencies and departments and groups responsible for different facets of the water that we as you know community members just expect to have on a daily basis. And the the fact of the matter is, is we really don't work together very well. We all have very busy jobs and we're tasked with very specific goals and we go about them in complete silos from each other. And very often the activity that, you know, even within the city that one department might be doing. So for example, the transportation department is making sure roads are designed in a way that stormwater from from rain, rainwater flows off very quickly, gets into a local gutter and makes its way to the local creek. Well, he's trying to solve that water problem. What that person is actually doing is creating a problem for a different city department that's responsible for keeping that creek clean for people to recreate in. So while we're trying to solve our problem, our water problem, we're actually creating a new challenge for for someone else who's tasked with addressing a different water problem. So it gets really complex really quickly. Well, and and water goes everywhere in every part of our life. Right. So I think it's funny because exactly what you described reminds me of the post Harvey flooding situation where my neighborhood was the last one to reopen post hurricane. Like we had four weeks of being basically going from home to home, trying to find somewhere to stay because we couldn't even physically get back into our neighborhood. But the day we got back, you know what happened? The people upstream of us started pumping water out of their buildings and it started like the water started rising as we're in our, in our building. And so it's the whole idea of, of not just understanding what you're trying to take care of, but understanding what everyone else is trying to solve for and coming together to really approach that solution, I think is key. And so 
you've got the utilities, you've got the recreation, you've got the people who want to use the water for everyday business. Mm -hmm. You have the nonprofits, the government entities, and not only that, you just have the community that expects it, right? Water needs to be there. And so how do you, what are some of the conversations that you have when you get more than one stakeholder in in the room at the same time? Yeah, that's, it is so challenging. And I think it's such a big challenge. It it can't be a one-off, a one-off solution or, or that's all it is going to, going to be. If it say, for example, the, the example that I described where the, you know, the transportation department's making a decision that's causing a problem for the stormwater department, they may get together and solve issue on one project, but Guess what? The next week when they're working on new projects, they're going to hit hit into it again. And it really takes an actual shift, a change in the approach to management that needs to happen. And that is a big shift that's underway, not just um, where I am right now in New Braunfels, uh, not just in Texas, not just in the U.S., across the globe. Everyone is kind of re-looking at the systems we have in place to manage water and saying, wait a minute, this siloed management, it, it simply doesn't work for the the degree of complicated problems we are hitting up against and will continue to hit up against. We need to, all of us together and start from, from scratch. We need to identify what are the real high-level goals that any community has and how can we restructure the work we do and how we work together so we can better deliver on those goals. And it's called either integrated resource management or one water. Sarah, you know, again, this goes back to what we, some of the challenges we face in the energy industry. You know, I give a lot of credit to my company's business development because it seems like they're dealing with local, county, state, federal issues and water comes up. Sometimes we don't even own the water underneath the assets or the the land that we're developing uh, for renewables. You know, and our business development is constantly facing different rules, regulations, and they're ever-changing. Is that something that the water industry is also facing, you know, different rules, regulations, things that are changing quickly, and, and sometimes it's, it's too quick to pivot to? You know, it's that is such a fascinating question because I've noticed a pretty big difference on the um, energy and water side. Most of the laws and regulations on the water side are pretty old, outdated. They don't change very quickly. And there's this weird hodgepodge and mix between what's managed at the, or what's um, kind of legislated at the federal level versus at the state or local level. And I've definitely noticed since moving into the energy space that these things seem to move and change much more quickly on the energy side. I'm not sure I can say why that is, but I have definitely noticed a pretty big difference there. I, I will say that being said, there are some new laws and regulations coming out on the water quality side more than anything right now at the federal level. I think it's, I've been focusing here with y'all more on the quantity side, making sure we have enough water. But another big challenge is having the quality of water we need. And with the amount of, I don't want to just say pollutants that we have going into our water, but the pharmaceuticals that we use and the materials that we use on a daily basis are, are really bringing in some new challenges to the quality of water that we have available for drinking. And then, and there's new regulations around how do we ensure, you know, it's being cleaned to the level that it needs to be for people. But generally, long story short, it's really, we don't see as much change happening on the water side as I would say on the energy side. But definitely people are starting to speak up, 
right? Yes. I mean, I just listened to a 30-minute podcast on quality of the water. And granted, it was because mm-hmm. of, in Peshtigo, Wisconsin, actually, mm-hmm. um, there was a, a company there that accidentally had leaked some some chemicals into the water. And it was a requirement of the government of Wisconsin for them to report it. Mm-hmm. But then that opened a larger conversation. And it wasn't anyone's, like, they were doing their corporate responsibility. They were doing what's right for the environment. But I think what it is, is people's awareness and education, as it increases, the questions will continue to rise. And maybe it's a little bit of waters are always there. Petroleum, oil and gas is something that's a little bit more scary to people, right? So that's maybe why we change constantly. But I like the education part of it, opening people's minds, right? Definitely. I do have a question, though. I know the work that you're doing at New Braunfels Utilities is quite unique. And I'd really like to dive into the solutioning that you are doing there, the collaboration. Can you talk a little bit at first about what is the projects that you are working on and how they are, how it's working towards the ultimate goal of what you're trying to achieve? Sure. Yes. It's been such an incredible experience. Our work began, I believe, back in 2019. And, and it was when the water utility, NBU, that I work at now, I, I did not work for them at the time, um, realized that it, th- this community is growing rapidly. It's one of the fastest growing counties in the nation, has been over the last several years and will be over the next the next few. It's just, it's in between Austin and San Antonio that are both you know thriving communities. Basically, with rapidly growing population, the utility needed to purchase additional water supplies to meet the demand and build a lot of infrastructure to, you know, clean, treat, and deliver that water to the customers. And that's coming with a a hefty price tag. Um, As we're using up local water resources uh, more, the price of the water starts to increase. And that ultimately is just the same as on the electric side affects the rates that that customers pay um, of an electric utility. So they were seeing, you know, the projected price of providing all this water just increasing beyond a level that, you know, the community had an appetite for and realized we've got to find a better solution. There have got to be other ways to deliver the water that's needed to our community in a more cost-effective way. How do we not just have water conservation and efficiency amped up, but but we got to get creative here. How can we reuse waters that are that are already here where appropriate? And how can we work more closely with others in the region to to address this issue? So they reached out to me at the time I was at the Cynthia and George Mitchell Foundation because they'd learned about the one water approach and this this goal of coming up with a more comprehensive plan. Because while they were struggling with the costs that the community would bear for finding and producing this additional water, they knew the city was struggling with similar challenges like land prices skyrocketing with access to local water resources being really limited as the community grew and knew that maybe if we came together, we could find some solutions that would would help benefit the city as well as the utility and others as well. So what we did is bring together three key partners, the utility, 
the city and its many departments, as well as the River Authority that is a government agency in Texas that manages the, an entire river basin and is responsible for selling wholesale water. And they're also responsible for protecting the health of that river all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. You know, they were a, a key stakeholder as well. The three agencies came together to develop a high-level vision for water in, in the region. We pulled together a group of more than 20 subject matter experts from the three agencies to really understand what was each agency working towards, how were we potentially undermining each other's efforts and internally even within our own departments, and how could we how could we approach the water needs of the community from a, a more comprehensive vision to help each other deliver on those goals, find cost savings where we could, come up with some really innovative and cool projects. So we together developed a roadmap. It's it's incredible. It's this nice hefty document that has a whole bunch of action areas in it with all these strategies and uh, dozens of projects that we know we can work together to bring forward that is going to ensure that the water that we have in the community will be there for generations to come, but only if we work together. And just to kind of outline for our listeners, what is the community of Nebraunfeld? Yeah. What are the goals for the community and, and what are like its main attractions in the area and, and why is water so important to Nebraunfeld specifically? That is such a great question. I mean, it really, New Braunfels is water. It is, I think I, I mentioned this earlier on, I, my family, took me and my sister there every summer because of the beautiful Comal River that runs through it, that is spring-fed um, from one of the largest springs in the U.S. It is, I believe, the largest spring in Texas, um, the Comal Springs that's fed by the Edwards Aquifer. There's the two, they're called like the, the two rivers in New Braunfels, the Comal River and the Guadalupe River that are just absolutely gorgeous for camping, for tubing on. Um, let me tell you, any college kid that lives anywhere near New Braunfels has come tubing down that river at some point in their um, college years. There's also a major water park that's one of its kind that actually uses natural river water instead of chlorinated water for the facilities. And the community itself, is it's got these beautiful German roots and heritage and this commitment to the local natural resources. The community spends its days picnicking out at Landa Lake watching the ducks and the deer go by and just um, having a wonderful time together. Water absolutely is the heart and soul of this community. Cara, this sounds a lot to me like Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. It is. Wisconsin, the Midwest, Minnesota, especially too, right? Mm -hmm. With all of their lakes. The outdoors is life in New Braunfels. So I can't really explain it much more than that. Expect or imagine a bunch of local wineries too, right? Yes. Like that's the other important part is it's not just water for recreation, it's water for drinking recreations as well. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Water and wine, they go together very well in New Braunfels. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially in the hot summer that we have been having, I can yeah. only imagine. What were some of the outcomes. I know that you said you came out with this huge binder, but if you could pull one or two major aha moments out for our listeners to understand that bringing this collaboration together is such a success and it will continue yeah. to be, what were those aha moments for you? There have been a few and it, at different levels altogether. I think one of the biggest aha moments that was kind of a challenge for us to solve was 
awesome. Yes, there's so much we can do together. But boy, it's not going to be easy. You know, we are really, we can't just put this plan on the shelf, go back to our day jobs and hope that it magically happens on its own. We need to, we need to put some foundation in place to make sure that we are committed to doing this. And we we really realized that we were going to need a coordinator, a coordinator that, you know, primary purpose was going to be to to move this forward as a three-party effort. And we would need a binding agreement between the agencies. We all needed to put skin in the game, put money on the table um, that could be used um, in a kind of a pooled fund to support some of these projects because many of these projects, you know, don't necessarily achieve the goals of any one agency. They are, they're overarching in nature or they're more innovative than what our current you know, what we're currently tasked with doing. So we needed to have a set funding source and a person that was going to help hold us accountable, help convening with convening the meetings and everything moving forward. Another aha moment we had was that we were all really hitting up against, at the end of the day, we were hitting up against the same challenge. When there was a problem that needed to be solved and a project that needed to happen to solve that problem. You know, whether it's a new street being constructed or a new park being put in somewhere or a new water treatment plant, you may have to, option A is the lowest cost option. Option B actually has some more of the more comprehensive and bigger solutions in it, but it costs more. And so even when those options were presenting themselves, everyone, we're just so used to going with the lowest cost option. And that what we really needed to do together was to develop a triple bottom line analysis, an analysis that we could use to evaluate projects and pick the winner of projects based on not just the economics, but also the environmental impacts and the social impacts of those projects. Because we know at the end of the day, it isn't just about the cheapest project. The community expects more than that. They want to make sure that it has a positive environmental impact and that it helps support the local community, whether that's through things like job development or, you know, providing extra green space. But if we could work together to develop a an evaluation tool that we would use instead of just a traditional cost-benefit analysis. And if, if we could develop that together and then all use it and move it forward with through our leadership, that could really help us at least have a different conversation and understand where the trade-offs were being made. And that's something that everybody we're actually working on right now is developing this, this scoring matrix and are pretty excited about it. I like that. The triple, what was it? The triple, triple bottom, bottom line. line. <laughs> triple bottom line. I love that. And and I think yeah. that ties in so well to, to the upcoming episodes in this series. And so I want to thank you, Sarah, for your time today. And I really look forward to how this ties into not only what you've done locally with New Braunfels, but what is coming up with our next conversation, which will be more on the Colorado River itself, which is multiple stakeholders taking what you've done and multiplying it by hundreds of years, hundreds of of stakeholders, and seeing how it works on a much larger basis. And then in the last episode, tying it back to the energy industry a little bit deeper than what we were able to do today. So thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to seeing you in episode three. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for joining our first episode in our series, Why Water? In episode two, we further explore the stakeholders involved and some of the historic relationships 
to manage the demand for water in the Colorado River Compact. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow WEN on social media. I hope to see you next time.